to greet you once again and uh, as we look at our uh, continuing series on the uh, life of Elijah which we call Just Like Us. Uh, it's a series that we're looking at the life lessons that Elijah had to learn and we're also holding these life lessons that Elijah had to learn as a mirror before us so that we can also look at our own lives in, in this mirror and see how we can apply uh, these uh, lessons to our own lives. Uh, yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, um, we looked at how um, Elijah had to learn to, uh, to obey God and how his obedience was going to be uh, determining his usefulness. And we saw how he was directed to the Kerith Ravine, where you remember the word Kerith means to be cut away, to, and he was told to hide in this ravine. And both in name and in, uh, in, in, in action, uh, Elijah was going to go into obscurity, hidden away, cut off. And that's been uh, our experience in this season of being locked into our homes. Uh, things will change, have begun to change, uh, but it's also a good way of catching what God wants us to catch and learn in this season. Remember, too, that Jesus faced his own kerith on the cross. He was cut off from his relationship with uh, God the Father. Uh, in his humanity, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as a result of his being cut off, grace is available for our own kerits, for our own moments, for those experiences where we are cut off or things are taken away from us or allowed to be removed from us. Uh, and it is in those moments that we have grace available from Christ to be able to cope with it. We're going to continue in, in this series this morning. The, the title of the talk is simply Just Enough. Uh, it's simply this, Just Enough. And uh, you won't be surprised as we look at this passage uh, it begins in chapter 7. Actually, it's a long passage. I've broken it up into two sections. Uh, I'd love to read it uh, if, if you can follow with me, please. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Remember, this is the brook that Elijah was being uh, nourished from uh, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it. And die. Elijah is directed away from a drying, drying brook to a widow who expects to die. Not a very comfortable or assuring situation. And I wanted to first of all point out to us that in this naturally scarce time, there is a supernatural abundance that will be made available both to Elijah and to uh, uh, to the widow and her family. But please note how the story turns on the voice of God, on the word of the Lord. 
we're told the word of the Lord came to him and God spoke to him and directed him. You know, real scarcity is when, as we read in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, real scarcity is when the word of the Lord is rare. That is real scarcity. Because naturally we might have scarcity, but as long as we have God speaking to us, as long as we've got God directing us, we can be supernaturally abundant. And that's the first thing we can uh, quickly learn from this story of, uh, of, of Elijah engaging with the uh, widow woman. So it's important for us to know and to have this assurance that having the word of God and being spoken to, to, to us by God in the way that Elijah was is the true sign of abundance. We measure abundance uh, by different uh, measures. We measure abundance by what we have or what we can do or where we can go or, or what our future might have or who is with us. And we measure abundance by the number of friends we might have about, or by the bank balance we might have. True abundance, friends, first of all, must be measured by hearing the voice of God and a heart that is open to the voice of God. This is the first thing that we pick up from this uh, portion of Elijah's story. The second one, which we will see as we uh, continue reading about how Elijah engages with this widow who is expecting to die. She's got no hope for the future because she thinks that uh, this is the end. I've just got a little left. I'm going to make a, my, my final meal, my last meal, and I will die after that. To her, Elijah says in, this pas in, the, in the passage continuing, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. I wonder what I would have done if Elijah came to me and said, with the last bowl of flour and the few uh, drops of oil or a little bit of oil, and he says, make me a chapati out of that first. I might have said, but Elijah, I only can make one chapati if I give it to you. What about me? Or I might have said, all I can make is one chapati. Let's at least share it. Um, the, 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 the dear widow woman is, it is, is probably thinking these thoughts. We don't know. But uh, she doesn't say anything. However, Elijah goes on to say, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. As a prophet, not only is he hearing the voice of God, but he's also speaking the word of God uh, to uh, the, the widow. And this is God's word to this widow. That will be her sustenance. That will support her. That will cause abundance to flow into her life. God's word to her is, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Notice her wonderful response. She goes away, does as Elijah has to told her. And as a result, there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. It's at least a couple of years, if not more, that this continuous miracle takes place. Every day, this jar is full. Every day, this oil vessel is full for maybe two years, maybe more than two years. That is the extent of this amazing miracle. Just enough, 
means more than enough. And we see this uh, in this story of Elijah. But pause with me to think about a few facts. Number one, we are told that Elijah was sent to Zarephath in Sidon, which is outside Israel. He was a prophet to Israel, but this prophet to Israel is sent to a foreign country, to a foreign woman, to a woman who is even outside the covenant that God has made with the nation of Israel. He's sent to the outsider. And in those days, and indeed even in Jesus' days, the, 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 the people of Israel were very particular about how they lived within the confines of the covenant of God and the people of God and, and the promises of God. They were very, as it were, parochial. They lived within that. They forgot that God had said to their father Abraham that whoever blesses you, I will bless. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Not just the nation of Israel. Yes, it will begin with the nation of Israel, but all the families of the earth will be blessed. However, for a, for a normal Israelite, for a regular Israelite, it was quite a hard thing to engage with foreigners. I wonder if Elijah struggled with that. Secondly, not in, that, in that society, as we see in Jesus' day many years later, women were looked down upon. Worse, we, widows were even were, uh, looked down further down upon. And, and Elijah is not just sent to a woman. Elijah is sent to a widow because in the purposes of God, in the, in the all-encompassing uh, heart of God, everyone is welcome. Everyone is valuable. And it's a very, very important pointed lesson that Elijah has to get hold of. And then, of course, there's the limited flour and oil. And I began to wonder if there were these prejudices that Elijah had to overcome. The prejudice of a foreigner, the prejudice of gender, the prejudice of what can I get out of this limited thing. And I thought about that because I, th I know that our prejudices among other things, deafen us to the voice of God. The things that we have a bias. And sometimes we approach God with this bias. We think God can only work in one way or in some ways and in some situations. However, if we are going to get enough, it's going to be because we have opened our ears and eyes and the eyes of our heart to look beyond our personal bias and our prejudices. We've got to learn, as the Apostle Paul said, I have learned the secret in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul had to learn. Elijah had to learn. Friends, you and I, we need to keep learning that getting enough from God is hearing the voice of God. We must put aside those things that uh, can be our prejudice. We must put aside those situations so that in any and every situation, as we see with Elijah, as we see with Paul, we can get enough. So there are three things this morning I want to um, by way of application bring to us. If we're going to learn contentment with God's word, first of all, we're going to have to walk in humility. First Peter chapter 5 verse 5 says that God gives, uh, God opposes the proud, pardon me, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And 
therefore we are told humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Elijah had to perhaps overcome his prejudice, perhaps his bias, but certainly going to a widow, going to a woman who had little, he had to humble himself to going to a foreigner, going to an outsider, he had to walk in humility. We will have to walk in humility if we're going to learn contentment. Secondly, as we see with Elijah, as we see with this widow woman, as we see with Paul, we will have to commit ourselves to obedience. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 28, he said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessing just doesn't come from hearing God's word. Blessing comes from obeying God's word. And we must have this heart and this commitment to obedience if we're going to learn to be content. And thirdly, we must continue to stand in grace. I love the way Peter concludes his uh, letter, having told us about uh, how God opposes the proud, uh, having told us in verse 6 of uh, chapter 5 in his first letter, where he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So he's really writing a pastoral letter, a caring letter, a helpful letter. And then he concludes in verse 12, saying, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. We have to stand fast in the grace of God if we are going to learn to be content. Now what we have, we have not because we deserve, but because God is kind. What we have, we have because of the thirst of the cross. Elijah went to the widow woman and said, give me a little water to drink. That he perhaps had, had no, no water for a, for a day or maybe a few hours. But the first thing he asked the woman was, give me some water. On the cross, our Lord cried out, I am thirsty. He became thirsty so that when we go through our thirsty times, we can be well fed. We can have our thirst uh, uh, satisfied. He experienced this lack so that we might have the abundance. So this morning as we conclude, I want to ask us to consider this question. How can I learn to be content by hearing the voice of God? It must start with that. It must start with me regularly saying, God, speak to me, for if I hear you, with that I will be content. It must begin with me opening up the scriptures daily and reading and allowing God to speak to me through the scriptures. Allowing this word of God to be a mirror to my heart. And as I look at what I see of my own life and the adjustments I need to make, the direction I need to, to, to receive. It's, it's 2 Timothy verse 3.16. We're told that every scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for instruction. It is profitable for correction. It is profitable for rebuke so that you and I might be completely equipped for all that God wants us to. So friends, as we conclude, as you think about this question, may I encourage us to put the word of God, the, the, the scriptures before us, and approach them with this heart of humility, obedience, and grace, so that we can learn to be content with the voice of God.